Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this show, rate us, review us, subscribe to us, smash the subscribe button, tell it from the rooftops. You are a fan of Lame Stream Sports. T- tell it from the rooftops. Yeah, breaking news last week on the show. So if you wanted to know and prepare yourself to be disappointed for the fact that Nashville is not going to be hosting World Cup match, I hope you listen to last week's episode. That's a great promo, Steve. Like, I, if you want to be disappointed, go listen to our episode last week. Go go listen to the thing you didn't listen to last week. <laughs> well, if you're wondering why we didn't get uh, get the World Cup, which we're going to get to today on the show, uh, Butch Speardon, of course, did a great job basically laying out why we maybe wouldn't get the World Cup. So we'll dive into that. Also, a huge new deal for the MLS. So we'll get to that here coming up. Kim Smith is our guest today of Titans PR. Her and three other people run all of the PR for the entire Tennessee Titans organization. And I'm going to go ahead and tell a quick story here, Steve, on the front end, because I failed you, the audience. I have to apologize to you, the audience, because I failed you. As soon as we got done with our interview with Kim, I started punching myself for not asking the question. So I went to Kim later on after we recorded the interview. And I said, Kim, can I ask you about the night you traded AJ Brown? Because we, I did not ask Kim about this, but I got a quick anecdote for you guys. Uh, Robbie, who is the, the guy who runs Titans PR, Steve, is responsible for about 400,000 interview requests the second that John Robinson announces that the Titans have traded A.J. Brown. But it's Kim's job to write the tweet. And she says it was the most nervous she has ever been <laughs> to send a tweet in the history of her career, which you will learn later on in the show, has been pretty awesome. So uh, I just wanted to pass along that anecdote that I think she said she missed a period in A.J.'s name and was so terrified to press send on the we traded A.J. Brown to Philadelphia tweet from the <laughs> official Tennessee Titans account. Wow. I, I would I would be nervous, too. I'm nervous for her now. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, guess what's going to happen to that Menchie column? <laughs> that, that's going to get destroyed. Anyway, it's a good it was I thought it was a good anecdote. We didn't get into the interview, but I wanted to, you guys to hear it because. You're, you're planning on having like the 26th pick and like this onboarding process with a nice draft pick and a quiet evening. And all and then, of a sudden, and the then, narrative has changed. And then all hell breaks loose. So I, I wanted to say I apologize to you, audience members. I should have asked the question. I realized it too late, but I went back and did Thanks, some Braden. went back and did some reporting for you guys. OK, she, she was terrified about tweeting. Uh, there you have it. So Kim Smith, long conversation about what she does and how she wants to tell this, allow the players to tell their story of who they are to the fans and to the audience and, and to the Nashville market for, for uh, Tennessee Titans fans. So great conversation coming up with her. Uh, so, Steve, before we do any of that, Lamestream Sports is brought to you by... Jaspers, always brought to you by Jaspers. Have you decided to change your tune on how to play air hockey? No. I don't even have words for the stubbornness with which you are operating. I don't understand. They have a wonderful, beautiful, perfect air hockey table. Don't ever go to Jasper's with Steve Cavendish. Go with everybody else in Nashville, but not Steve Cavendish because he will cheat at air hockey. This is, this is, this is, this is consistently our worst ongoing bit. I, I says who says, says the cheater says Thanks. the cheater. Uh, great game room. It's fantastic. The food is amazing. The uh, menu continues to evolve, which is what you should expect. Uh, from the next evolution of the sports bar. Make sure you go to Jasper's over on West End and frequent all the other establishments from Four Top Hospitality, Amerigo, Char, etc. Etch, all wonderful places. So go check them out. Fine, across the city. fine family of restaurants. 
It is. It's wonderful people. Great people. Many people are talking about it. All right. Kim Smith from Titans PR coming up in a little bit, but we spent, we wanted to spend some time on a lot of soccer news here. The Titans stadium is probably the main reason that we are not going to get a world cup match in 2026. It was announced on Thursday afternoon. Uh, and I, I don't know what you think you, you're, you're probably deeper in the weeds on which cities maybe took Nashville spot. Um, clearly we're great and amazing at hosting events. That's not the reason this didn't happen. It's clearly because of stadium uncertainty. Um, but I'm just curious, like to me, Houston feels like, I don't know if it's Dallas or Houston, you're putting three in Mexico, one in Kansas city. I get Kansas city, but I, I don't know which one is the one that you think got picked over Nashville. Well, I, the, the writing was on the wall when you saw Guadalajara. When they, so they announced this west to east. And when they announced Guadalajara, that meant that you were probably getting three Mexican teams. Uh, I mean, three Mexican cities. You got Guadalajara and then Monterey and Monterey and, and Mexico City were going to they were going to get it. And so when you saw Guadalajara in there, you're like, well, OK, so the math means that there were only going to be two Canadian cities because Edmonton took themselves out. So that's that's five. So that means there's 11 in uh, 11 in the U S and at 11, we were, we were right on the fence. We were probably the 12th city. Uh, And and so, so who hopped, uh, who hopped uh, Nashville? Is it, is it famous centrally located Atlanta? (laughs) Noted. No, I mean, they were using like an (laughs) NHL map in order to put Atlanta in the central division here, but um what happens is what happens here is that they went with they went with a couple of big names they went with boston for instance boston's bid by a couple of different reports was 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 not great there was not a lot of cooperation between the city of boston and then the games which are going to be all the way out in foxborough you know this is this has historically been the problem and it was assumed that it was assumed by many that that boston was going to was going to get snubbed uh they did not dc got snubbed now dc's bid had problems because they they build it as as baltimore and dc because of the the bad stadium situation in dc but really that sort of split kind of kind of made it made it bad uh and so so that so that kind of that kind of put them out really i mean it was us against cincinnati denver uh kansas city who got in um and Orlando and, and why both Houston and Dallas, if you've got three in Mexico and Kansas city, why both Houston? And I mean, I get it. They're all, they're huge event towns. I guess it's because it's easy travel for Mexican fans. Uh, I understand the two in Texas thing. I really do. I mean that, that to me, that to me, that makes a lot of sense um, because you have, you you have, you have so many fans in Mexico Uh, that that's going to, that's going to make that part of it easier for them so let's get to why maybe not nashville and i I had some interesting conversations steve after our conversation with butch last week which was when we asked him about the timing of the stadium that's the that's the thing he said he goes this is what is giving fifa pause i think is i'm paraphrasing here but i'm pretty close on that and that is we're going to keep nissan stadium up to date and we're going to build a new one right next to it my question is how do you do that without sort of muddying up the campus for lack of a better term how do you put on a world-class international showcase event, even if the sight lines from Nissan Stadium are unobstructed and all you have is the beautiful river in downtown and all that stuff? Um, how about beautiful river front, not the beautiful river water? Um, <laughs> but like, I don't, I cannot imagine FIFA going, all right, we want to put on this internationally showcased event at Nissan Stadium, which by the way, might actually 
have been a better stadium to sell to FIFA because an indoor stadium that is smaller with turf provides some complications. So you could actually argue that an outdoor grass stadium at Nissan that's bigger might actually be better for FIFA. But well, they would put they would put down grass. I mean, they're, they're yes, not, they're but it's not a good these games on on turf, right? But and they're going to do that at SoFi in LA. But that, that, yeah. it provides a very wonky playing surface sometimes. My my point Agreed. is, you could argue that the all natural outdoor Nissan stadium might actually be preferred. My question that we are not going to get an answer to is what happens when you have a giant construction site in the parking lot next door and how do you run an event like that? And I don't, and, I don't and know. That's what, and that's what we're never going to know. I mean, FIFA's never going to come out and say, you know, th- these were our criteria and this is, and this is why we, this is why we, we decided not to go in this direction. They're just not. Um, is, that, I, what, I, is that what you think is, is the main culprit here? Cause there's, it's no way that we can't handle the event from a hosting standpoint. The stadium uncertainty thing, I think, is a real thing. Um, and and even with the cl- – and apparently, I mean, and this is what Butch said last week, the Titans made assurances, look, we will keep this a first-class facility. I mean, it would have been in use the fall before. I mean, uh, it's not like this thing has been sitting there for two or three years vacant. It will have been in immediate recent use. Uh, the one thing that they were going to have to do – uh, and they had already committed to doing it was was to take out some seats uh, to to widen like around the corners because and this is a problem in American stadiums is that you know a, a, a U.S. stadium is uh, NFL and NFL is is fifty three meter fifty three meters wide a a standard you know FIFA full width pitch internet for an international is 65 a minimum so it's like 60 or 65 or 68 meters wide it's wider and so it's why it's why they don't i mean it's why like chicago for instance was not in it because soldier field is just way too narrow there's a bunch of nfl stadiums that are like that and 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 they were gonna have to do some tinkering but it's fine i mean it was close so yeah yeah right that, that was an it was an easy fix i you know I think the next thing for us to watch is is the reporting that Grant Wall and others have done is to see if we get the draw now, and, and that's and that's likely not going to be announced for like a year or two. And, and I don't think that matters to fans per se. It matters more to economic impacts, right? Than it, than right. Like fans aren't going to be like parading down Broadway to like stand outside a, right. a draw thing or whatever. Right. I mean, for, this is not the. I mean, it's right. not the, the NFL draft. It is kind of a fun event. And they'll, and the, the cool thing is, is they'll bring a party to town for two or three days right. and that'll be fun. And, and they'll spend a whole lot of money. So we're never going to know the official answer. I, I'll tell you this after talking to Butch last week on the show, I did not expect to be hosting a, a World Cup event in 2026. I, I just, I, I did yeah, I not. Mean, so. I mean, our window, our, our window was a US only host. Uh, of the world cup in 2022 and when you know like this week it would be like this week (laughs) yeah i mean when when we should be hosting i mean instead of talking about this we should be talking about games in nashville this week i mean once once cutter bought an uh, bought a world cup uh you know that that the we we lost our yeah, we, we yeah. lost our window there and that's and that's what butch said on, on the on the pod last week and and so our next window will be in 2058 or something well i, I mean <laughs> actually I mean, I mean i think i think the next thing you might see is uh the u.s is expected to bid for one of the next two women's world cups and i and i think you you know i, I think you'll probably see nashville on those on those short lists again. And, and I, and I think that's a, I mean, I think that's a real sort of, 
that, that that's a that's a real sort of possibility. And and my two daughters can't wait for that. So uh, that'd be awesome when, when head coach Megan Rapino is leading the team to a championship. <laughs> um, so uh, all right, that that explains. I think that's most of everything you need to know. Um, I, I think it, you know, and I don't believe that this was because they started this conversation too late. Like I think Butch and the Titans and the city have been like previous mayors have been talking about this renovation for three to five years. So they've been working right. on this for a while. It's not, this is not like a, Oh, we, 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 we waited too long for this. I mean, hindsight is 2020 obviously, but um, you know, I guess you could have started this process in 2015 instead of 2018 and maybe we're further along, but uh, again, unfortunate sucks, but uh, you know what? Atlanta, Kansas city, it's not too far. You can get to those places if you need no, to. No, you can get to those games. And, and I actually think that, um, I think Arrowhead is a good venue for those things. Arrowhead is a great stadium. If you haven't been to a game there, I mean, go to a Chiefs game. Yeah, uh, those, yeah. those are those are really fun. But it's a it's a great old stadium. Uh, there, there's not a lot of great old NFL stadiums because the changes that have been made have largely yeah. been much more fan friendly over the years. But Arrowhead, like the sight lines are all great. You yep. you, you get you get the the shape of the stadium that is just you know no, there's nothing else like it. You know, go to a game there. So. I don't want to make a recommendation off on the fly without having it researched to remember. I want to say there was a big story in the athletic about the design of Arrowhead stadium. One of the guys who designed it. And again, I'll, I'll look that up and maybe drop it into the show notes for you guys. But there was a fascinating story about this, this guy who designed it, the architect who's way ahead of the curve on, on the sight lines and the curvature and keeping the sound in and how it all became the way it is. So go anyway, long story, go check it out. Uh, all right. MLS is, has sold its broadcasting rights. Kim Smith coming up, by the way, Titans PR here in just a minute. Um, 10 years, $2.5 billion to Apple starting in 2023. Um, the revenue share approximately per year will go from, sorry, the uh, cost to broadcast will approximately go from $60 million per year to roughly $300 million per year, maybe just under $300 million per year. That shows you the growth. The growth, uh, while the audience numbers aren't actually... Um, haven't really risen all as much as I think people think over the last couple of years. This affects, of course, how much money Nashville SC will get, the salary cap. Um, season ticket holders will not have to buy a subscription to this service. It is going to be separate from Apple TV. Um, maybe some insight into how Sunday tickets going to be delivered as well. So a whole lot of stuff here. Broadcasting crews are affected. There's a whole lot of moving parts to this new deal for MLS. Yeah, so, so the things to take away from this are, one, uh, kind of like on that revenue line, uh, that two that you know that 250 million a year for these rights. Um, and right now, it's divided among 28 teams, but eventually, that you know, MLS is going to expand. You should think about that being divided uh, 30 ways. So that's like, you know, it's like a little over eight million a year. I mean, th that goes that that that's what's going to come back per team to the league. Now you have to deduct out production costs from that. It's going to cost MLS about 60 million a year in order to do these. Uh, so, you know, take that out of, out of the team uh, tally, but this, this does mean extra millions of dollars a year that are going back to teams that because of the collective bargaining agreement means it will, you will see some of this on the field. Uh, I mean, it, it's going to cause the salary cap to go up. It's going to give teams more money to pay for players. Uh, and, and that's a good thing. I mean, that is, that is an you know, money that's going to go to directly improve the product. It's also a lot of these clubs are going to spend this money on, uh, MLS Next uh, Pro programs, which is basically their development programs. So, so what you'll see is, you know, a whole development league underneath MLS, uh, where where players who are young in their careers, uh, maybe kids that come up through the academy, 
you know, early draft draft picks that aren't getting onto the field right now, they're going to have someplace locally in order to play and that the coaching staff can, can kind of can monitor their progress. Uh, that's a, that's a, that's a big, big deal long-term to the health of the league. Now, in terms of what it means for broadcasters, it means <laughs> probably the end of Tony husband and uh, Jamie Watson uh, as, as Ca- calling, calling Nashville. Yeah. Calling, calling Nashville, Nashville SC yeah. games. Uh, all local broadcasts were, were all those local contracts were sunset at the end of this year in particular, you know, by the, they, this is, this is, this was a, a plan of the league to sunset those and look for the best possible packages. Uh, and to put all of those local games into one package. And that, and so that's what you have here. What that means though, is that the broadcasting lineups, instead of each home having their own. And then like, if you were watching on ESPN plus, you were getting like the road announcers. Uh, what it means is that it, it's going to be very similar to like the NFL where, you know, there are, you know, eight crews on, on CBS and eight crews on Fox and 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 they're they're covering all over the country now. All these guys may be doing it from a remote uh, production facility like Vista down in Miami. So I don't know how much they're going to be traveling. That's going to be that, that's something that has to shake out. But there there will be no more local. Here's the here's the fascinating thing though. <laughs> this is this is this is absolutely fascinating to me. As a consumer watching these broadcasts, you will be able to select multiple audio feeds now. Traditionally, that's always meant English, Spanish, and then for, for some Canadian cities, French. For MLS games, you will be able to select your own local radio feed and listen to that on games. So you'll be able to li- you'll be able to listen to it and, and on your on your broadcast something you've never been able to do uh, before, and that's fascinating. Now. Is it fascinating for us because we're friends with Wes Bowling, you know, radio voice of the uh, <laughs> and of host the of the and host of the Club and Country podcast on the 440 and Sports host Network. Of the Club and Country podcast on the 440 Sports Network. Yes, uh, <laughs> but I mean, they haven't worked any of the details of that out. We don't know if Tony Husband's gonna gonna stay here with the club if he's gonna try to get one of these broadcasting uh, gigs. I would imagine. I mean, if you were ranking the quality of of MLS, I would put them uh, up there. MLS, you know, duos yep. uh, around the league. Um, Tony and Jamie would be up there. I would say they're at least in the top quarter of the of so, those broadcast crews. And and I think either one of them is, is easily a candidate to be yes. one of those. Yes, and they they said the reports are anywhere from t- ten to fourteen different crews will be hired by MLS to to broadcast these games. I think it would be a damn shame if they're not traveling. I think that's just absurd to be able to, to explain and watch and cover a game like that in person means so much more to the audience. Um, so I think, I hope, you know, that that's, I, I absolutely think Tony and Jamie are, are one of the top 10 or 14. So if that's I mean, the, I mean, we're, I don't, I mean, this is, we've had both of them on the podcast They're you know, and know them they're, they're good guys. So, but we're not just kind of blowing smoke up. Your no, 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 no. Yeah. I mean, these guys are really, yeah. really top broadcasters. I mean, I think Jamie can be a, I mean, Jamie can be a league level, Yes, uh, commentator. Uh, now and, and, and he's got. If and he was got pulled a, up to like a like a big linear you know national broadcast. I wouldn't be surprised because yes. I think he's that good. He also has experience playing in, on the East Coast as well as in Dallas, as well as in Minnesota, and now and now broadcasting in Nashville. So he's tied to a lot of regions in the country. Tony obviously could you could parachute that dude into any soccer stadium in the world, and he'd probably do 
a great broadcast. I, I do think the setup is fascinating with the, the stream button where you can pick your audio feed. Unless, of course, Tony, unless, of course, Nashville SC wants to pony up the money and keep that broadcast team as their radio crew, which seems to be a, a, a huge investment for right. them to just have a, a radio crew like that. There, there's something else here too, which and it and you may remember this from uh, from when we talked to Tony uh, here. God, I think it's it's been two years since we talked to him. Um, you know, Tony, part of the part of the adventure for for Tony coming over here to to call Nashville SC games was he was really excited about the sort of American adventure sort of piece of this. You know, if you remember, he's a he's a big Raiders fan. He's a uh, you know yeah. he's he's a big fan of kind of American culture, and I think. That, it'll be interesting to see kind of what the setup is for those broadcast gigs, because if, if the, if, it, if that means that all you're doing is moving to Miami and, and broadcasting out of a remote uh, facility at Vista, God, I, hate I mean, that so much, I mean, that would, that would, that would be kind of soul crushing to like, to be doing that all the time versus like being identified with a team and getting to do the travel and yep, getting yep. to know the people in the club. And, and, and Tony was also hired to be sort of an ambassador for the club. And he's done a lot of that, you know, you know, emceeing stuff. And, and yep. he's been sort of like, you know, the, the announcing face for the team. I, w- will he continue to do, do the, be part of that? Or is, you know, does he see his career going in, yeah. in a, in a broadcast direction? It, so it, it is a fan. It is a fascinating new structural layout for partnership between a league and a broadcast. And, what I think is interesting is the league producing. Oh, this would be like the NFL hiring all of the people, <laughs> you know, like Herb Street and Fowler and Buck and Al Michaels and Tarico and like all these guys all working for the NFL and then the NFL paying to produce every single game is what MLS is doing. What's interesting to me, um, Steve, is that you've got there is no technical need to purchase Apple TV as of right now. They are right. going to siphon this off. It is going to be a separate streaming app, essentially an MLS viewing app. Where you you know I'm assuming obviously only through Apple products. If you are a season ticket holder, you do not need to pay for anything, which is I think an interesting twist on this. I think it is interesting insight into what they're going to do with with Sunday Ticket. If you can if you can take NFL Sunday Ticket and make it its own app, its own product, then then and not require people to purchase Apple TV. I think you could have a, a a higher success rate in selling that, and I think that's what this is an interesting insight into the way that Steve Cook is or uh, uh, Tim Cook is thinking. And this is to me as a to me as a Titans fan, the most interesting part of this is if you're telling me that I can have Titans broadcasts, but I can put Mike Keith and that crew, and I, I we can get Coach Mac on Titans broadcasts, and not have to kind of figure out some weird sync thing with your radio. If you can do that for me. You have my money. Yep. I don't have to worry yep. about the fifth or sixth choice team from Fox <laughs> or CBS coming in here and mispronouncing names and basically doing a shitty job calling the game. Yeah. I can listen to I can listen to the announcers I want to listen to. I, I am curious because we are clearly in an era of decentralization, right? With our television content, our TV streaming content. I am curious how much longer this goes on. <laughs> Because what happens with decentralization, and I was listening to a, an interview about crypto and how the whole point behind the crypto, one, one of the whole points behind the crypto culture is that we are decentralizing big big banks, big government, blah, 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 whatever. And, and it, but it only is going to decentralize until someone can make a bunch of money off of it, in which case they then re-centralize again. And this is a pretty standard thing. So I'm curious what happens with when we're going to have to have 46 streaming services, like where's the tipping point where they all end up 
being consolidated again. <laughs> so so uh, I, I think we'll that see. I, I think that's interesting. I, I also think that, you know, having technology players get into this market, I think to me, this is the first chance to see exactly how it's going to play out. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, the the benefit of, you know, if I can, you know, watch Wes, I mean, if I can listen to Wes on, uh-huh. on, on my Nashville SC games, man, I'm a fan of that. Yeah. I'm in uh, Mike, Mike Keith calling Titans game. Sounds pretty fun. That's uh, on my, on yeah, my TV. I'm, I'm all, my I'm all in for that. All right. Speaking of the Tennessee Titans, uh, no ratings and recommendations today on the show. We wanted to spend some more time on soccer world cup, MLS uh, broadcast deal rights and all that good stuff. But uh, when we come back, you will hear our conversation with Titans PR expert, Kim Smith. Lamestream Sports is a podcast about Nashville sports media and business hosted by one Mr. Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner. And it is, in fact, brought to you by Jaspers, 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 the next evolution of the sports bar. Jaspers is located on West End. The parking is free. And if you want flatbreads, if you want shareables like sweet potato fries with barbecue on them, if you want uh, like some like some of the most creative salads you've ever seen in your life, if you want one of the best smash burgers, if you want great drink specials, and you want to play shuffleboard, air hockey, pop a shot, or, or or whatever in 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 a bar while eating great food, Jasper's is the place to go do all of this stuff. Hey there, sports fans! Do you like to watch sports? Eat food that's better than any place else, and oh, maybe uh, entertain yourself in between. You know, like like during halftime or something. Maybe just uh, play a little ski ball, play a little play a little air hockey, play a little pop a shot. Jasper's is the place for you. It is. Uh, we did have uh, V Love did send us a tweet with his rankings. I think he had pop a shot number one amongst his bar games. Again, I'm I'm more of a shuffleboard guy, but I'm with you on pop a shot. Uh, I know you were a basketball player back in the day. So uh, very I, you know. slow basketball player, <laughs> very minimally, minimally proficient basketball player. So you listen, we got MLS games um, where you can at least watch Tony and Jamie for one more year. <laughs> you, you can watch those at Jasper's. Uh, you've got, uh, of course, the Stanley Cup playoff. You got a couple more games of NBA basketball. So um, obviously football's right around the corner. So go check out Jasper's folks. Uh, fantastic place to go hang out and uh, watch a game and get great food. And you know what? Never, ever, ever pay for parking ever. It's never happened. They're never going to, they, they, they've signed this in blood, Steve. They will never make you pay for parking at Jasper. Go to Jasper's. Kim, welcome to the show. It is great to see you. How are you? Thanks for giving us some time. We appreciate it. Yeah. Great to see you too. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. So we're going to cover a lot of stuff today, but let's start by sort of introducing your specific role. Um, you you provide a lot of people with a lot of words, but you don't specifically say a lot of things normally. It's normally all the other people out there. So in your words, describe your role with the Tennessee Titans and and sort of explain how you ended up in Nashville working for, for an NFL team. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so the way I usually explain what I do to people who ask me um, is that PR is kind of twofold, right? So first major thing that we handle is all of the media coordination for the team, for the players, for the coaches, um, for personnel. And so what that looks like is anytime you're reading an interview, whether it's in you know the newspaper, a newspaper article, um, listening to a podcast, a radio interview, or post-game interview on the field, like all of those interview requests will run through us. And so it's our job to receive those 
um, vet those requests and then go forward with the scheduling of that, you know, coordinating player schedules with media schedules and um, being a presence throughout that interview. Um, and then the other component of PR is that we are the information center of the team. You know, it's our job to basically know everything, um, whether that's, you know, our records, our facts, our stats, um, updating and maintaining those documents, and then disseminating that to the media um, to help them do their job. So as far as my journey, um, it's it wasn't a very linear one, um, had always grown up a big sports fan, always played sports. They were what made sense to me. Um, and, you know, after I graduated college, I majored in public relations in college. I did uh, three different internships there. I knew that the NFL was really what I wanted. Um, I just didn't really know how to get there. So, you know, I'm from New York originally. I had started just by emailing the Jets and the Giants and said, hey, is there anything I can do? Like, I will lug water jugs. I will do whatever you need me to do. Like, just let me do something. Um, and the Giants responded and said, yeah, we don't really have anything like that, but do you want to be on our game day staff? Um, so I was Giants game days for the 2015 season. And then, you know, really was just nosy in the press box. I was like, Hey, who are you? Like, how'd you get here? Like what's going on? Teach me. I want to learn. And, uh, ended up following the game day role of the Giants up with a internship full season with the Detroit Lions in 2016 and then bounced down to Tampa and was the Buccaneers offseason intern in 2017 and then got hired June 2017 here and I've been with the Titans ever since. So Long Island? Yeah, Long Island. I, I got a little bit of when you when you said the all. <laughs> yeah. Just I have a very good professional you have, voice. You so. don't have you don't have the accent. <laughs> It's mellowed out a little bit. Everyone at home tells me I sound very <laughs> Tennessee, which I don't think I do. But that's funny. Um, one of the one of the things that one of the interesting things to me is that you're you're in a very male world. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and not just the, and not just the team or or the front office or whatever else, but even the you know even the kind of the behind the scenes staff. Uh, in terms of let's just like kind of limit it to sort of like PR here within the NFL, kind of how many women are in kind of your position and, and, uh, you know, around the league and, and is that number bigger, smaller than it used to be? Who, who do you have? Do you have, do you have peers that you talk to about it? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think the number of women present in the NFL, you know, taking, you know, visible roles or maybe not even visible roles is increasing. And I love seeing that um, because for a while, this this was only men. It was a male-dominated field. And the women who initially were, you know, being becoming a part of that, you know, there was mixed feelings about it because this was a space that was always dominated by men. Um, but I think, you know, the goal is to level the playing field, right? So there's more and more women, you know, reaching out who are, Hey, I want to do an informational interview with you. Like, I would love to hear about your job. Like I'm graduating soon. I'm really interested in it. And I would say the volume of the people that have been reaching out to me, they're majority women. And, you know, it just goes to show that just because, you know, you're a gender one way or the other, like it doesn't necessarily mean you can't do the job equally as well as your counterparts can do it. Like you just maybe need an opportunity. Um, so I love seeing the opportunities for women growing within the league. Well, and I would argue you are the more evolved species and should be doing all these jobs anyway, because you're better at all of them, uh, especially in PR where like, 
And I learned this at a very young age, like just tell the truth is almost always the best strategy in PR kind of writ, writ large. And uh, you guys tend to be way better at that than us. So. Yeah, that is, that is, we are the superior gender. That's uh, <laughs> no, no <laughs> argument from you on this one. No, no, that's facts. Um, <laughs> give people a sense of the size, like of the size of the Titans staff, because you're talking about more opportunity here and, okay. and you sort of like weaseled your way into the giants and kind of just busted your, <laughs> busted your ass and you're here. And so Give give people a sense of the size of the staff for the Titans and sort of how rel- what how is it relative to the size of the staff sort of like in other markets and maybe New York or whatever. Yeah, no doubt. I think it probably depends on how the team is structured. I think there are some teams where, you know, maybe their broadcasting department falls under their PR umbrella too. And so that'll usually extend to a team reporter or, you know, someone who works in radio for them too. Um, but so for us here, we're a department of four. It's myself, Robbie Warren, Dwight Spradlin, and Jared Puffer. And, you know, I would say most teams probably have somewhere between four and five. Um, maybe that's impacted by market size. Uh, you know, I'd say when I was a Buccaneers intern, there was a full-time department of five with one intern. And that's a fairly comparable market to here. So, you know, you think about it, there's 32 teams, you know, maybe four or five full-time PR people. That's not a ton of jobs so i assume the i assume the giant staff is a little bigger giant staff i think they had they've they're a little different than when i was there um but i think they also employ more interns so don't quote me on that um but i know the jets have like something like four seasonal interns so obviously in season the volume of work is much higher so you need more hands talk to me about the about the kind of the intern piece of this um because that can be uh, there's there's sort of it's sort of do- a double edged sword mm-hmm. because a it can be a great way to get your foot in the door you certainly got in the door with with a franchise and that led to other franchises and and eventually your role here you know the flip the flip side of that is is that you know interns are often underpaid uh they you know they they they're they're cheap labor yeah. and and they're they're it's you know there's a lot of hustle porn that kind of that kind of goes along with that which is you know you know, if you just, if I just do this uh, and I work hard enough and I, uh, and I get to the right situation, then I'll finally get paid sort of what I'm worth. How, t- tell me about your internship process and kind of, uh, you know, what, what you think you got out of it and what you might change from it. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I will say, I'll preface this with saying in college, I did three different internships and zero of them were paid. So to me, anything, <laughs> anything was enough great over that. <laughs> um, but so when I was with the Lions, you know, I had uh, a boss under the Giants who was formerly with the Lions. And, you know, he said, hey, if you get an opportunity to join this program, you're going to get your hands on a lot. And so when I was in Detroit, I was, you know, deep in the weekly release. I traveled with the team. You know, I was doing essentially the responsibilities of a full-time member. Um, And so, you know, the internships were invaluable experiences and a lot of people who are hired, uh, maybe like I I was going to say the younger generation, but I forget I'm kind of aging now. So like people my age who were (laughs) hired. You're you're not aging. Don't don't, don't, don't worry about that. Some (laughs) of us on this call are much much more aged. I just have only one much, only one much for me, uh, two muches for, for Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Um, but yeah, no, the, the internships were, you know, and it probably varies team to team, um, league to league. You know, I was the year I was game days for the giants. I did them for the Rangers and the Knicks as well. So I think it 
depends on the league and the team. Um, but you need those internship experiences and go back to what I was saying. A lot of people around my age had done two seasonal internships with two different teams before they were hired full time. So it's tough explaining to your friends probably when you're out of college and they're all working full-time jobs. Like, you know, why, Kim, why are you applying for internships? And I'm like, if there was a different way to go about this, trust me, I would, but this is the way. So, so, so is that, would that be your advice when, when you said you get a lot of calls from a lot of people in particular women trying to get into the business? Is that like you've, you've gotten here because of obviously talent and hard work and all this, the same stuff that a lot of people will have when they succeed. But what is your advice? Just like, do as many internships as possible, just send out as many email. Like what, what is the advice you give to them when they call? Yeah. I, I tell them just to knock on every door you can, you know, the doors aren't going to open unless you're there pestering them or Brayden, like you said, I weaseled my way in earlier. Like <laughs> I meant that as a compliment, by the way. <laughs> no, oh, I, oh, weasel in only the nicest sense. <laughs> <laughs> right. The sweetest form of weaseling. You're right. Um, no, I mean, it's, it's being willing and open to doing literally whatever you can like like I said I was trying to volunteer in any fashion I could just to meet people and network and and talk and you know just hear people's stories because you know like I said my process wasn't linear so I needed something to base my path off of so you've talked about all the different parts sort of like you did different things in Detroit and in New York and you have like certain obligations here in Nashville what, what is there some one particular thing that you just love the most? Is it game day ops? Is it the, the fact sheets? I know like I'm a media guide nerd. Like I love reading media guides because it's a, I don't know, I'm sick and twisted. But like what what are what is sort of your favorite part of all that? As a as clearly a sports fan growing up, what what part is your favorite? Yeah, I I love the stat part, but I also just love game day as a whole. You know, there's something really satisfying about working six days out of the week leading up to one big performance and and winning. I mean, it feels not to sound cliche, but it makes it feel like all of your hard work paid off during the week. You know, working really late and getting up pretty early and and putting that time in feels like it's worth it when you're winning. So for me, it's the game day operation. How, how many hours during the season? Like, what does your work week look like during the season? A lot. It's a lot. <laughs> you know, Mondays are probably our longest day because that's, you know, the day after the game, like the weekly release that we get out late on Monday, you know, we do that all in one day. So it's a, uh, it's a lot. It's probably, you know, I'm in around eight 30, um, maybe sometimes eight and then out, you know, into the evening. So it's, it's a good number of hours and the new factor in travel on the weekends. So you're not off a whole lot. You might have, you know, home Saturdays here and there you get your bye week you know this year we've got two Thursday night games so we kind of get some mini buys in there um, but collectively I usually tell people I'm unavailable from July through January hopefully February <laughs> so the Thursday night games and is interesting because on the one hand you do get mini buys on the other hand that compressed week has to suck it's it's a challenge I mean it's a challenge for everybody players coaches staff it's a challenge for PR but um, it's you don't really have a break from the previous Sunday. You just jump right into it and you go. So uh, it's it's definitely challenging. Um, we've got one on the road this year and one at home. So it is a little bit easier when you're not mixing in a late night flight too. Um, you know, you're often we're sitting on the plane and you know squished up against the tray in front of you and you're trying to work on stats with you know a little bit of room and a whole lot of paper. So 
it is what it is, um, but it's part of it. And I love it. It sounds, it's just so glamorous is, is what so, it is. Um, it's so funny. You say you're not available. Like I, when my wife and I met, we started dating in like January and I joked, I said, nobody's ever made it past week 10. Like that's, <laughs> <laughs> she got me a gift card in like week 10 and was like, look, we're here. And, and now we have two children. So it's, it is, it's got you a monogram pillow. Yeah, no, yeah there it is right, right back <laughs> there. Um, that that's really what I wanted was just the pillow. That, that was the, that was the key. Um, you, you, so you, you know, you're not out there doing a lot of interviews. That's not like sort of your role and that's not part of your job, but there is, you have, you are like, I don't want to say an Instagram influencer, but you know, the Titans photographer definitely <laughs> finds all the folks getting on the plane on the travel. You're always in there. You're everyone's always fancy. Everyone's always dressed super nice and swanky. Um, are you personally a, an out there type of person in general? Like you, you have a personality on Twitter, you have a social feed, you know, you're in the, the team photos when everyone's getting on the plane. Like, where do you sort of personally land? Are you more private? Are you more like, wh- how, how do you, I don't even know the right word. Like, what's your personality, Kim? Like, that's... <laughs> Tell me about yourself. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> uh, well, like, do, do you enjoy that, that public facing part of the job, I guess, is a better way to ask that. I think I enjoy being around people. And part of that is being outgoing. It's being interested in other people. And um, being the test shot subject every travel day for the Titans, <laughs> which is how I end up with some Instagram pictures. Shout out Donald Page. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, well, like I was always involved in sports growing up and I was not to, you know, to my own horn, but I was always a captain or, was, you know, one of always the leaders of the team. So I think that's just come naturally to me. Um, and, you know, just not to speak on all women in the league or in sports, but I also think that there's a certain personality type who um, thrives in these situations and it's women who are confident and they know who they are and have thick skin Um, and you know as far as being private or a little more out there I like to think I kind of strike a fine line between the two where you know I'll, I'll let you in a little bit but you don't really know everything because it's my life and that's just how I like it. It's an interesting time of year because you have this whole between the draft and OTAs, you've got this whole set of new people. How do you, you know, part of your job as the staff is that you kind of have to know everything about them. You have to, you know, be able to, you have to be able to, to, to connect them with uh, the working media. What, what's your onboarding like? What's your, what, what is it like for, for you guys once you say, okay, we've got these number of people and then, you know, there's also new signings, you know, almost, you know, throughout this, throughout the period. How do you do that? Yeah, no, good question. I mean, you think once we hit March, we're signing free agents, April, we're drafting new guys, signing undrafted guys. So the roster turnover in the NFL is across the board pretty high. Um, but you know, it's literally in the job title relations, right? So we're here to build good relationships, not only with players and coaches, but with media too. And so that helps by, or that helps us do our job and and yield a mutually beneficial product because we understand what will work best in what position. And so um, when it comes to players and onboarding new guys, it's getting to know them as humans, right? I mean, athletes first and foremost are are people they're human beings and they've got likes and dislikes and interests and you know you want to learn about their families and you know what their preferences are and you know even what makes them tick and so I think 
the onboarding process is really just getting to know people and, you know, figuring out where they'll work best um, and pairing that in a situation to really help them shine. Do you find that, and I think, I think rookies in general are, are done a disservice by college coaches being so extremely protective of them that they, that they're not actually learning like good life skills. Like again, being able to answer questions in front of a media throng is a pretty unique skill, but just being able to communicate, having the ability to, to talk and, and, and answer tough questions. I think, I think college coaches do most athletes a big disservice. I've always found that when I get a chance to talk to a college football player, that, that they almost always over, they over deliver. Like they're almost always better, more interesting, more thoughtful, more nuanced than sort of this picture that is portrayed of them because the coaches don't allow them to talk. Have you found that to be true with most, and I'm not even talking just Titans here. I just mean in general, like, do you find that more rookies come into the league more prepared or do you think because they're so sheltered that they're less prepared? Yeah, that's a good question. Part of me thinks it depends on different factors and maybe that's the size of the program they went to, um, their personality in general. Um, you know, at, at some point or other, each player who makes it to the NFL was probably the best player on their high school team. You know, growing up, they were probably pretty talented um, and and attracted some media attention. So I think it really depends on, you know, who the guy is mixed in with his environment, too. Um, but, you know, it's 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 definitely an interesting question. I'm not sure I have the answer to that. Um, what I heard was big programs shelter their players more is what I just heard. <laughs> well, I will I will say first and foremost, college football is not very big in the Northeast. So I don't I'm not as well versed in college football as I am in the NFL. <laughs> um we something that's a kind of a recurring theme on this podcast, at least, is we talk a lot about kind of how publishing has changed and how you know social media has kind of created individual publishers. Uh and you know you guys now have to, I mean, you're not managing, for instance, Derek Henry's Instagram feed, but at the same time, uh, you have to be aware of it. And these are, these are huge. I mean, th these are huge feeds. I mean, every time, you, every time, you know, Henry posts one of those workout videos, it, it is, it does monster numbers. Uh, how do you guys, how do you guys kind of follow uh, everyone's sort of social feeds and, and how do you choose kind of like what to amplify and kind of what to, you know, what to kind of like really push out there to the public? Yeah, I think first and foremost, social media is, it's made the sports world entirely different than when leagues were established. Like it's become a 24 hour way to have access to athletes and coaches in a way that fans never have had before so you know my message and what you know I usually tell the guys is just you know you can have fun with social media but just be conscious that you're representing not only yourself but you're representing your team and so you know you never want to you know do something that may cast yourself or your teammates or anything in a negative light because the second that a post is out there everyone sees it. There's screenshots. I mean, you know, you can delete it, but it's going to exist yeah. forever. So, I mean, it, it's not even just that. It's just, I mean, their likes are, are, are now, uh, are, are now kind of counted by people and, you know, you can see, Oh, you know, 
such and such liked this thing that someone else said that this must be an X or Y or Z. It is not an endorsement. No, it's not. <laughs> but, 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 but to your point, though, Kim, like it, it feels like it to the fan out there who's just some, you know, just a regular person kind of watching the team. They see that and it means something different to them than maybe even an athlete might have intended. Yeah. And I think that's the contrast you strike when you have a public account is that you're dealing with people who don't live in that space. They don't live in the world we live in. So they don't, you know, maybe I necessarily have the same grip on social media and likes and posts and the overall awareness that more media savvy people have. Like uh, perhaps going live from an operating room. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> She's very stoic. I, love oh, I, I believe it. I, believe it. <laughs> I didn't expect a response. That was just a statement. No, no, that's, all that's that great. Just a statement. <laughs> Um, uh, along, along those lines, uh, when, you know, the, the, the team does get a lot of benefit from that as well. I mean, I, so the, the other, the other piece of that was kind of, what do you guys choose to amplify out of, out of your social feeds that, I mean, because, because I've seen, I mean, I've seen some of those kind of come through a Titans account or come through, you know, someplace else. What, what do you, what do you guys talk about when, when you're, when you're, when you're, talking about players own feeds and kind of how they relate to the team. Yeah. So we've got a great social media department here that handles a lot of the posting or reposting um, of that content. And, you know, personally, the posts that mean the most to me are the posts that display who the athlete is as a human in a personal way. And so, you know, whether that's after the tornado cleanup, you get to see the guys helping out in the community, cleaning up and lugging food and water and, you know, pitching in however they can. Um, that's the human aspect of it. And that's that's what I really like and I place more value on. Um, and then I also really like, to your point, the Derek workout videos. I mean, I think that's that's who he is. Like he's yeah. dedicated and he's focused and he works incredibly hard and, you know, to us, you know, we're in this world. So seeing a player working out or on the field is not really that special to us because we see it all the time. Um, but one thing that, you know, speaking on Derek Post that I really enjoy is the reaction from people who aren't really used to that, getting to see that. And I'm like, this is, it's such like a childlike passion that they have for it, that it almost reignites in yourself, you know, Oh dang! Like my job's pretty cool. Like you get to do some cool things. So that's the, what I like best. Speaking of Derek and sort of highlighting the the people and and that side of things, I, I the first time I ever interviewed him, he was a I think a sophomore at Alabama in 2014, going into the Sugar Bowl. And the only reason we got access to him was because it was in the bowl game and it was in the college football playoff. Because again, Alabama won't let you talk to anybody. But um, see, he was he was a very and then I did a, a show a, a a radio show with him when he was kind of like a second year player. And now he's sort of a national spokesperson for like national brands. I, I think he has really blossomed in, into his own sort of skin a little bit. How, how different is he from when he got to, to, the, to the Titans to today in terms of having his own voice and, and having his own interests and try to obviously pushing himself out there? Yeah, no doubt. That's a great question. Um, you know, when I got here, it was June 2017. So it was one year after he'd been drafted and you know, when you think about it, he was drafted to be the backup behind DeMarco. So his career since he's been here has, 
taken shape and just grown and and it's been crazy to see how he's become um pretty much a household name or you know a face of the NFL like he started as a backup and became the NFL's leading rusher and one of eight to rush for 2,000 yards and um you know it's funny I was joking with him the other day I told him this month is my five-year work anniversary and I was like I've known you for five years you know I'm getting old like I said that before you know we're we're getting we're getting up there and you know (laughs) it's just it's it's cool to have a front row seat um to that growth and I think the most remarkable part of it is he always knows who he is and so he's stayed true to who he is throughout the process and he is just the most team first guy, um, a great leader. And, you know, he's only had the opportunity to show that more. It was, it was always in him. So. Yeah, and he's like, again, I, I had, I was fortunate enough to talk to him when he was pretty young and he's just like, yeah, I'd rather sit at home and play video games. Like he was just, he was sort of a very private guy and just kind of, and, and if you get him in that setting, you know, he looks like this big monstrous creature that just destroys people on a football field. And then you see the workout videos, but like, that's, like he's got such a huge heart and he's this kind of soft guy away from the game itself. And I think he's had a, I think he will only show that more, I would assume as he continues to to play more years, I guess. Yeah. And, and I agree. And I think that something that's really special about him is he always thinks of ways to help other people. So I don't know if you guys remember during COVID, he had seen um, a story. There was a season ticket member who I think he's a season ticket member um, or a fan, a Titans fan whose house had burnt down in a fire. And um, I think he was he was a firefighter, um, actually. And he had, you know, a couple of young daughters and Derek saw the tweet and, you know, he just said something about it. He's like, I need to help. I don't know how, but I need to help. And so that's who he is. Like he he sees situations where he can be a blessing and he can help, you know, level a playing field for someone who is at a disadvantage and, and that's what he wants to do. And that's really what his foundation gears towards too. So it's, it's a trait that I admire. He was almost the cover of Madden this year, wasn't he? I think so. Yeah. Cannot uh, confirm nor deny. <laughs> <laughs> um, when uh, the difference this year is uh players are going to come back and locker rooms are going to be reopened um, as media. I'm exceptionally glad about that because, you know, there's only so much you can get out of a zoom. <laughs> um, how are the players, uh, how are the players reacting to kind of, kind of that re- sort of that sort of reopening. And you got two classes of, uh, of draftees now who, who have never known, who've never known anything different. Yeah. I think when that news broke, you saw players across the league sharing their opinion on Twitter um, one way or the other. And again, I think it's probably more of a a personal feeling towards the situation. You know, there are guys who enjoy weekly media sessions and, you know, we'll be happy to see Braden and company back in the locker room and, you know, love to chat them up. Um, And then, you know, to your point, if a player is heading into year three or under, he's never experienced that before. And, you know, not just media in the locker room, but there are a whole list of things that were different during COVID um, that won't be the case anymore, assuming things are continue to trend in the right direction. So, you know, there's guys who have showed up to the facility every day and gotten their nose swelled before they go into work. So there'll be a lot of, um, adjustments um back to practices that were happening pre-covid for sure 
Will you oh. miss setting up an infinite number of Zoom calls? Oh, love Zoom so much. <laughs> the best. <laughs> as, 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 as we're sitting in a small room in a Titans facility on <laughs> Zoom. Um, I, I think it's interesting, and we talk about this a lot with an athlete or a school or an entity, whatever, with their ability to actually, and we talk, like, we've talked about this with the Preds before, especially, but there's just more information a lot of times helps the, the, the team itself, or in this case, the athlete, take ownership of the message of the story of the personality, whatever it is. I know that there's obviously going to be major stories, you know, you know, there's lots, there's obviously one in Cleveland right now where like, that's a very different situation. You don't want more information, but a lot of these situations, more information actually is beneficial for the athlete. And I think it's good to hear that a lot of those guys, many of them are okay with that, but I'm not sure. Again, this goes back to the college thing. I don't think they get the training that they deserve honestly, because learning that being having ownership of that message is so important for an athlete who has this outward facing brand that is managed by a team sometimes. Right. Yeah. And I think that's why athletes are surrounded with people to help them in those situations. You know, I always tell the guys I'm here to be a resource. However, I can, whether that's practicing going through, you know, questions, if you're apprehensive about how to answer them, you know, let's, let's figure out the best way to go about it. And it, just being here and being a resource um, and knowing that they have people that they can lean on so that it's not all on their shoulders to figure out. I mean, there's, we're professionals. We're here to help you. And was there, sorry, Steve, was there a guy that ever came to you and was just like, I want to work really hard at this. Do you, do you, do you have a, 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 an individual that was just like, man, I'm going to bust it so that I, I really like doing this and I like having the control of the message. I'm good at it. I want to practice more. Like, is there, is there one that stands out to you? Yeah, that's, that's happened a few times. Um, but I won't, uh, take any shine away from how well the player did. So, oh, so, really uh, happened. so you're, t- so you're taking credit for how well the player did is what you're doing. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, all right. Different, different note here. And then I'll let you go, Steve. Um, who is the most obnoxious media member to deal with? You. Okay. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> set, set you up for that easy one. shot <laughs> easily no i'm kidding no we've, we've got we've got a great group here um you know it's it's it can vary from market to market you never really know what you're going to get but i i enjoy our media contingent here and seems like everyone gets along pretty well so you've had you you've you've now had five rookie classes coming in with you who was who was the most ready for for, for prime time here uh and kind of dealing with the media since since you've been here that's a good question. I I would say for me personally, you know, the way I interpret how, or I should say to me, you know, a guy's great at dealing with the media in two different ways, right? So the first way I think is if he's up for anything, you know, I sure like I'm flexible. Let's do this interview. I'm down to try it you know, let's do this shoot. Let's do this video. I don't really know what's going on, but I trust you. And I know that it'll be cool if you say so. So I think, you know, being good at the branding aspect or the media aspect is really just willingness, um, one. And then two, I think, you know, or I should say, you know, being authentic. Um, and you know, if a guy's into it, he's into it. And, you know, in that situation, he can really like let his personality out, um, 
and and you get to know him in that way. Um, but the other aspect of it is, I think, just being thoughtful. And, you know, a guy doesn't have to be the loudest voice or, you know, the most playful with the media to give a really good interview or to be great at messaging and branding and, you know, partnerships and all that. I think it's just putting thought into what he's saying and maybe helping those he's speaking to think in a different way that maybe, you know, that person may not have come to on their own. What are the next? Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Hold on. Oh. That's great. Didn't that's the, the disclaimer. <laughs> so, so, so that's the disclaimer. That's like the two sort of ways. So like who, but, but like who kind of came in and was just like, uh, as, as a rookie was just like ready to go. Who you was, can say Elijah Molden if you want. Like that, yeah. he's... Elijah Molden. Um, no, we've, we've had, some, <laughs> we've had some good guys throughout the years. I think, you know, and Braden will attest to this, you know, Jayon and Rashawn, they were very easy to talk with. You got to know them. Um, and the, you know, I would consider them quote unquote media ready because they were willing and they were enthusiastic, but they also put thought into what, um, they were saying. So I look forward to seeing how, you know, our current rookies, uh, progress as we get rolling here. They've only been here, you know, a little over a month. So. Well, and, and to your point about like the personality stuff, like Jayon had so many interests mm-hmm. out, outside of just playing linebacker that like he, it was so easy to talk to a guy like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the next, what you got mandatory mini camp this week. Right. You've got, uh, obviously some downtime before training camp opens up. Like what is your summer preparation look like before you become unavailable in the fall? <laughs> yeah. So I, I tell people, you know, the NFL is a 24 hour, 365 news cycle where the only break you really get is right before camp. So for us, it's, taking a second to recharge because it's the only time you really will be able to. Um, but you know, you're still here, you're still working on getting the media guide put together so we can get that out to you guys. And, you know, we are here with the rookies, um, for, I think a little bit longer after that mini camp. Don't quote me on that. It's been two years, you know, since COVID. So things have been a little weird. Sometimes I have to like refresh myself on what it is we're doing, but, um, yeah, really, you know, taking care of loose ends um, from the off season before you get ready to get rolling and, and go. All right. Um, how much fun is it to deal with Taylor Lewan? Taylor is Taylor. He is, <laughs> I mean, you know him. He's a big personality um, and he's always got something to say and a joke to crack to you. And yeah, I, I love getting to know um you know, guys in that sense and just seeing the human aspect of them, whether it's Taylor or anyone else on the roster. Kim, you've been very gracious with your time. We really appreciate it. Um, leave everybody with sort of like your, your, your core ethos and belief and why you've gotten where you've gotten and advice for other people. I mean, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but just sort of leave people with what's the one thing you want people to know about the job that you specifically have done to get to where you are and and wherever you're going to go in the future. Yeah. I think it's just, if, you're good to people and you're good at what you do and you put effort and you work in, you know, that's always going to be what resonates with others. And, you know, like I said earlier, the word relations is literally in the job. So it's having good relationships with people and just caring about them as individuals and working really hard. There you go. Kim, thank you so much. We do appreciate it. Try to Try to take a break here uh, before uh, training camp opens, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. No doubt. Thanks for having me.
That was Kim Smith of Titans PR. Just listen, she does not do a lot of interviews, and we are super grateful for her for us her, for her hanging out with us on the show this week. Um, she has a really fascinating insight into every single one of these players. Has to deal with a bunch of obnoxious media members like me. So uh, appreciate her time and uh, special thanks for giving us so much um, there. Um, talking about the Titans. So there you go. Braden, where can people find you on the socials? You can get to me at Braden Gall. If you want to complain about the World Cup, you can tweet at Steve Cavendish, at S Cavendish on Twitter. If you want to complain about the World Cup, go to his Twitter feed. Don't come to mine. I don't care. We tried to tell you last week this wasn't going to happen. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, rate review subscribe of course share the product go to the youtube page all that great stuff special thanks to kim smith for joining us giving us so much of her time she is fantastic at what she does i cannot reiterate that enough she is great at her job and we appreciate her joining us for steve i'm Braden. go to the nashville banner sign up for that too i'll get one more plug in here steve go to the nashvillebanner.com and sign up for the newsletter go to jasper's as well thanks for hanging out with us everybody happy father's day weekend this has been lamestream sports on the 440 sports network